Chapter Thirty of Dread: A Tale of the Great Dismal Swamp by Harriet Beecher Stowe. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Dread, Chapter Thirty: Tiff's Garden. Would the limits of our story admit of it? we should gladly linger many days in the shady precincts of magnolia grove where clayton and nina remained some days longer and where the hours flew by on flowery feet but the inevitable time and tide which waits for no man wait not for the narrator we must therefore say in brief that when the visit was concluded clayton accompanied nina once more to canama and returned to the circle of his own duties nina returned to her own estate with views somewhat chastened and modified by her acquaintance with anne as clayton supposed the influence of a real noble purpose in life had proved of more weight than exhortations and she began to feel within herself positive aspirations for some more noble and worthy life than she had heretofore led that great absorbing feeling which determines the whole destiny of woman's existence is in its own nature an elevating and purifying one it is such even when placed on an unworthy object and much more so when the object is a worthy one since the first of their friendship clayton had never officiously sought to interfere with the growth and development of nina's moral nature he had sufficient sagacity to perceive that unconsciously to herself a deeper power of feeling and a wider range of thought was opening within her and he left the development of it to the same quiet forces which swell the rosebud and guide the climbing path of the vine simply and absolutely he lived his own life before her and let hers alone and the power of his life therefore became absolute a few mornings after her return she thought that she would go out and inquire after the welfare of our old friend tiff it was a hazy warm bright summer morning and all things lay in that dreamy stillness that trance of voluptuous rest which precedes the approach of the fiercer heats of the day since her absence there had been evident improvement in tiff's affairs the baby a hearty handsome little fellow by dint of good nursing pork-sucking and lying outdoors in the tending of breezes and zephyrs had grown to be a creeping creature and followed tiff around in his garden ministrations with unintelligible chatterings of delight at the moment when nina rode up tiff was busy with his morning work in the garden his appearance it is to be confessed was somewhat peculiar he usually wore in compliment to his nursing duties an apron in front but as his various avocations pressed hard upon his time and as his own personal outfit was ever the last to be attended to tiff's nether garments had shown traces of that frailty which is incident to all human things bless me he said to himself that morning as he with difficulty engineered his way into them holes here and holes there don't want but two holes in my breeches and i's got two dozen got my foot true to wrong place poor old tiff laws a massy wish i could get hold of some of dem dar clothes they were tellin' bout at de camp meetin they wore forty years in de wilderness mazin handy dem our times was 
Well, anyhow, I'll tie an apron behind and another in front. Best of Lord, I's got aprons anyhow. I must make up a pair of breeches some of these year days when the baby's teeth is all through, and Teddy's clothes don't want no mending, and the washing is done, and these year weeds stops a growing in the garden. Brass if I know what the Lord want of so many weeds. Pears like they comes just to plague us. But then we doesn't know. Maybe there's some good in em. We doesn't know but a little no way. Tiff was sitting on the ground weeding one of his garden beds when he was surprised by the apparition of Nina on horseback coming up to the gate. Here was a dilemma to be sure. No cavalier had a more absolute conception of the nature of politeness and the claims of beauty, rank, and fashion than Tiff. Then to be caught sitting on the ground with a blue apron on in front and a red one on behind was an appalling dilemma. However, as our readers may have discovered, Tiff had that essential requisite of good breeding, the moral courage to face an exigency, and wisely considering that a want of cordiality is a greater deficiency than the want of costume, he rose up without delay and hastened to the gate to acknowledge the honor. "'Lord, bless your sweet face, Miss Nina,' he said, while the breezes flapped and fluttered his red and blue sails. "'Oh, Tiff's mazin' happy to see you. Miss Fanny's well, thank you, and Master Teddy and the baby all doin' nicely.' Breast of Lord, Miss Nina, be so good as to get down and come in. I's got some nice berries that I picked in the swamp, and Miss Fanny'll be proud to have you take some. You see, he said, laughing heartily and regarding his peculiar costume, I wasn't looking for any quality long this year time of day, so I just got on my old clothes. Why, Uncle Tiff, I think they become you immensely, said Nina. Your outfit is really original and picturesque. "'You're not one of the people that are ashamed of their work, are you, Uncle Tiff? "'So, if you just lead my horse to that stump, I'll get down.' "'Laws, no, Miss Nina,' said Tiff, as with alacrity he obeyed her orders. "'Specs if old Tiff was ashamed of work, he'd have a heap to be ashamed of, "'cause it's pretty much all work with him, tis so.' "'Tom Tit pretended to come with me,' said Nina, as she looked around. "'But he lagged behind by the brook to get some of those green grapes, "'and I suspect it's the last I shall see of him. "'So, Tiff, if you please to tie Silphine in the shade, "'I'll go in and see Miss Fanny.' "'And Nina tripped lightly up the walk, "'now bordered on either side with china asters and marigolds, "'to where Fanny was standing bashfully in the door, waiting for her.' In her own native woods, this child was one of the boldest, freest, and happiest of romps. There was scarce an eligible tree which she could not climb, or a thicket she had not explored. She was familiar with every flower, every bird, every butterfly of the vicinity. She knew precisely when every kind of fruit would ripen, and flower would blossom, and was so au fait in the language of birds and squirrels that she might almost have been considered one of the fraternity. Her only companion and attendant, old Tiff, had that quaint, fanciful, grotesque nature which is the furthest possible removed from vulgarity, and his frequent lectures on proprieties and conventionalities, his long and prolix narrations of her ancestral glories and distinctions, had succeeded in infusing into her a sort of childish consciousness of dignity, while at the same time it inspired her with a bashful awe 
of those whom she saw surrounded with the actual insignia and circumstances of position and fortune after all tiff's method of education instinctive as it was was highly philosophical since a certain degree of self-respect is the nurse of many virtues and a shield from many temptations there is also something perhaps in the influence of descent fanny certainly inherited from her mother a more delicate organization than generally attends her apparent station in life she had also what perhaps belongs to the sex a capability of receiving the mysteries and proprieties of dress and nina as she stood on the threshold of the single low room could not but be struck with the general air of refinement which characterized both it and its little mistress there were flowers from the swamps and hedges arranged with care and taste feathers of birds strings of eggs of different color dried grasses and various little woodland curiosities which showed a taste refined by daily intercourse with nature fanny herself was arrayed in a very pretty print dress which her father had brought home in a recent visit with a cape of white muslin her brown hair was brushed smoothly from her forehead and her clear blue eyes and fair rosy complexion gave her a pleasing air of intelligence and refinement thank you said nina as fanny offered her the only chair the establishment afforded but i'm going with tiff out in the garden i can never bear to be in the house such days as this you didn't expect me over so early uncle tiff but i took a notable turn this morning and routed them up to an early breakfast on purpose that i might have time to get over here before the heat came on it's pleasant out here now the shadow of the woods falls across the garden so how beautifully those trees wave tiff go on with your work never mind me yes miss dinah it's mighty pleasant why i was out in dis year garden at four o'clock dis morning and peered like dis year trees was wavin like a psalm so sort of still you know kind of spreadin out their hands like days have prayers and there was a mighty handsome star a lookin down i specs dat dar star is one of the very oldest families up dar most likely said nina cheerily they call it venus the star of love uncle tiff and i believe that is a very old family love is a mighty good thing anyhow said tiff lord bless you miss nina it makes everything go kind of easy sometimes when i'm studying upon these year things i says to myself peers like the trees in the woods they loves each other they stands kind of locking arms so and they kind of nod their heads and whisper so Pears like the grapevines and the birds and all them are things they lives comfortable together like they was peaceable and liked each other now folks is apt to get a stewin and frettin around and turnin up their nose at dis year thing and that thar but pears like the lord's work takes everything mighty easy they just kind of lives along peaceable i think it's mighty destructive certainly it is said nina old mother nature is an excellent manager and always goes on making the best of everything there's heaps done that dar way and no noise said tiff why miss nina i studied upon that dar out here in my garden why look at that dar corn way up over your head now all that dar growed this year summer no noise about it pears like nobody couldn't see when twas done 
They were telling us in camp meeting how the Lord created the heaven and the earth. Now, Miss Nina, Tiff has his own thoughts, you know. And Tiff says, Pears like the Lord is creating the heaven and the earth all the time. Pears like you can see him a-doing of it right afore your face. And them growing things are so curious. Miss Nina, Pears like for all the world as if they was critters. Pears like each of them has their own way and won't go no other. These year beans, they will come up so curious, right top of the stalks, they will turn round the pole one way, and if you was to tie em, you couldn't make em go round t'other. They set in their own way, they is, for all days so still about it. Laws, Miss Nina, these year things makes Tiff laugh. Does so, he said, sitting down and indulging in one of his fits of merriment. You are quite a philosopher, Tiff. Laws, Miss Nina, I hopes not, cause one of the preachers at the camp meeting used up them folk terrible, I tell you. That there pretty much all I could make out of the sermon, that people mustn't be philosophers. Laws, Miss Nana, I hope I ain't no such. Oh, I mean the good kind, Uncle Tiff. But how were you pleased upon the whole at the camp meeting? Well, Miss Nana, I hope I got something. I don't know fairly how much tis. But, Miss Nina, it appears like as if you had come out here to instruct us about these here things. Miss Fanny, she don't read very well yet, and appears like if you could read us some out of the Bible and teach us how to be Christians. Why, Tiff, I scarcely know how to myself. I'll send Millie to talk to you. She's a real good Christian. Oh, Millie's a very nice woman, said Tiff somewhat doubtfully. But, Miss Nina... Pears like I'd rather have white teaching. Pears like I'd rather have you if it wouldn't be too much trouble. Oh, no, Uncle Tiff. If you want to hear me read, I'll read to you now. Have you got a Bible here? Stay, I'll sit down. I'll take the chair and sit down in the shade, and then you needn't stop your work. Tiff hurried into the house to call Fanny, produced a copy of a testament, which with much coaxing he had persuaded Cripps to bring on his last visit, and while Fanny sat at her feet making lark spur rings, she turned over the pages to think what to read. When she saw Tiff's earnest and eager attention, her heart smote her to think that the book, so valuable in his eyes, was to her almost an unread volume. "'What shall I read to you, Tiff? What do you want to hear?' "'Well, I wants to find out the shortest way I can how these here children be got to heaven.' This year world is mighty well, long as it holds out, but then, you see, it don't last forever. Things is passing away. Nina thought a moment, the great question of questions, so earnestly proposed to her, the simple, childlike old soul hanging confidently on her answer. At last she said, with a seriousness quite unusual with her, "'Tiff, I think the best thing I can do is to read to you about our Saviour.' He came down into this world to show us the way to heaven, and I'll read you, when I come here, days, all that there is about him, all he said and did, and then perhaps you'll see the way yourself. Perhaps, she added with a sigh, I shall too. As she spoke, a sudden breeze of air shook the clusters of the prairie rose, which was climbing into the tree under which she was sitting, and a shower of rose leaves fell around her. "'Yes,' she said to herself, as the rose leaves fell on her book. "'It's quite true what he says. 
Everything is passing. And now, amid the murmur of the pine trees and the rustling of the garden vines, came on the ear of the listeners the first words of that sweet and ancient story. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and are come to worship him. Probably more cultivated minds would have checked the progress of the legend by a thousand questions, statistical and geographical, as to where Jerusalem was, and who the wise men were, and how far the east was from Jerusalem, and whether it was probable they would travel so far. But Nina was reading to children, and to an old child-man, in whose grotesque and fanciful nature there was yet treasured a believing sweetness like the amulets supposed to belong to the good genie of the fairy tales the quick fancy of her auditors made reality of the story as it went along a cloudy jerusalem built itself up immediately in their souls and became as well known to them as the neighboring town of e herod the king became a real walking personage in their minds with a crown on his head and Tiff immediately discerned a resemblance between him and a certain domineering old General Eaton, who used greatly to withstand the cause of virtue, and the Paytons in the neighborhood where he was brought up. Tiff's indignation, when the slaughter of the innocents was narrated, was perfectly outrageous. He declared he wouldn't have believed that of King Herod, bad as he was and good-hearted and inoffensive as Tiff was in general, it seemed really to afford him comfort that the devil had got that there man for now. Sarves him right, too, said Tiff, striking fiercely at a weed with his hoe, killing all them poor little children. Why, what harm had they done him anyway? Wonder what he thought of hisself. Nina found it necessary to tranquilize the good creature to get a hearing for the rest of the story. She went on reading of the wild night journey of the wise men, and how the star went before them till it stood over the place where the child was. How they went in and saw the young child and Mary his mother, and fell down before him, offering gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. "'Lord bless you! I wish I'd have been there,' said Tiff. "'And that dar child was the Lord of glory, sure enough, Miss Nina.' I heard him sing this year hymn at the camp meeting, you know, about cold on his cradle. You know, it goes this year way. And Tiff sung to a kind of rocking lullaby, words whose poetic imagery had hit his fancy before he knew their meaning. Cold on his cradle, the dew drops are shining. Low lies his head with the beasts of the stall. Angels adore in slumber reclining maker and savior and monarch of all nina had never realized till she felt it in the undoubting faith of her listeners the wild exquisite poetry of that legend which like an immortal lily blooms in the heart of christianity as spotless and as tender now as eighteen hundred years ago that child of bethlehem when afterwards he taught in galilee spoke of seed which fell into the good and honest heart and words could not have been more descriptive of the nature which was now receiving this seed of paradise. When Nina had finished her reading, she found her own heart touched by the effect which she had produced. 
the nursing child-loving old tiff was ready in a moment to bow before his redeemer enshrined in the form of an infant and it seemed as if the air around him had been made sacred by the sweetness of the story as nina was mounting her horse to return tiff brought out a little basket full of wild raspberries tiff wants to give you something he said thank you uncle tiff how delightful now if you'll only give me a cluster of your michigan rose proud and happy was tiff and pulling down the very topmost cluster of his rose he presented it to her alas before nina reached home it hung drooping from the heat the grass withereth and the flower fadeth but the word of our god shall stand for ever End of chapter 30 Tiff's Garden